Uber shuts down self-driving truck program. We have the August economic roundup and freight markets are still cooling, but history says not for long. Federal standards or states' rights, making sense of denim and Dynamax. And finally, key takeaways from Stiefel's deep dive on trade war risk. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we talk about all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. JP, you guys really hey. held it down last week. Welcome back, dude. Oh. How, how was how was Colorado? I uh, like another country. It was so beautiful. Really, felt like I was in Switzerland. I've only been were, in Switzerland you, once, but man, it's just like I loved it. It was beautiful. I, I you're I was, up in like Breckenridge. Uh, I did go there a couple of times to mountain bike, um, ride one of those gondolas. Different mm-hmm. form of transportation. I'm always doing field research nice. for the podcast. I, I see. Of course. Um, yeah, it was so great. And what I wanted to say was while I cleared my head and had a wonderful time and saw lots of trucks on the road and oh, yeah. Tell us you about know, tried to educate mm-hmm. my children on I Spy, which carrier. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> it gets in you. Um, that I, I, but I came back and I feel super rejuvenated, really missed you guys. And it's great to be back. Yeah. It's awesome to have you back, dude. Thanks. And so much so that I have, um, well, again, if you yeah, can't lick them, you join converted them. to the dark side. <laughs> if, if you only saw the power, the, the bells too hard at ale going down, uh, down two gullets right now. Um, nice. but here's one nice thing I want to say about bells too hearted. Sometimes. It's the simpler approach that, you know, that, that wins out amongst the, you know, the many palates. Because, and this is seriously, one hops, centennial hops is all they gots in, in here, you know? Nice. And, 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 a, and a solid, Hi- you know, malt, <laughs> malt body to make a very fun American IPA. I get it. All right. Anyway, this is quite cool. delicious. Great to be here yeah. with you. Well, glad to, um, that you've joined. Uh, the, <laughs> it's not as hoppy as a Colorado beer. I mean, you know, like an IPA, but you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing because they get, they get busy. Um, speaking of busy, we have had busy times in the Freight Waves office and busy yeah. busy headlines yeah, uh, we're on the week. Growing rapidly, adding people every week, and publishing lots of news. Um, what, why don't we get into it? Well, we led off the week with uh, some some kind of uh, well surprising and unusual news. Uh, yeah, we our, that Uber our, freight seemed to be shutting down. No, well, kind of, no. So our renegade field correspondent Matt Wimberly reported right. on news that. Uber was ending its self-driving trucks program, and, and, and speculated upon even on, 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 on the implications for Uber Freight, basically that you know the digital freight brokerage that Uber is starting. Right. right, that's how we let off our week. And what happened after that? Uh, it was really interesting. So he was kind of saying, Wimberly was saying, look. If, if Uber is going to ha- get into trucking and have basically an on-demand autonomous carrier, nothing like the world has ever seen before, that makes complete sense. That could be massively profitable. They'll yeah. be printing money. That's a huge boost to the whole company. But If that could be executed. But that vision, if, yeah. since they're ending the self-driving truck program, 
Uber Freight is essentially just another brokerage. And freight brokerages trade at about 10 to 12 times EBITDA. Tech startups, software... Easy know, for you to say. Software as a SaaS... Uh, you know, software as a service companies tend to trade at like 15 to 20 times EBITDA. And we know that Uber is looking to do an IPO next year. Yeah. So basically, if Uber Freight as just a normal brokerage yes, is, is attached to them, it's really going to drag their valuation down. Possibly. Because it doesn't have that could, autonomous, yeah. you know, that bigger play. Wasn't that the speculation? It that was it the speculation. Would. And so he was it sort of saying. It hit a nerve of sorts. He was saying, what's the point of Uber Freight? Yeah. If. And we ran that story. And what do you know? Um, Uber Freight is calling us in the morning. Um, you know, <laughs> to be fair. They, they were, were super cool. To be fair, it, they're right? a very large, um, you know, busy company, as you, as yeah. you alluded to. Um, and they haven't really had the time of, you know, they haven't had time for us at all yet, even though we've been trying to get them on the phone for months. So it was you know, nice that they reached out to us. They wanted to talk to us. They wanted to sort of tell their side of the story. And yeah, um, and, and they clarified it. Mariah and I were on the call. Yes. She, she reported. It was pretty interesting. It was, and and, and, and it was. You know, they made some decent points. I don't think they really had the... Um, authority to disclose the numbers that would have actually been able to contradict Wimberley's thesis. You know, they couldn't, for example, say like what the I net, see what you're saying. they couldn't say like what the net revenue of Uber Freight was or anything like that. Sure. But they did have some interesting. And it, was good for, it was good of you to ask those questions. I'm proud of you for trying. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Um, like, yeah, but, we but had, we can I, to... I want to just add that, uh, I mean, a part of the thing that I did take away that seemed legit to me was just that they're saying specifically that this is not our strategy. You know, yeah. like like we yeah. we are not we're you know we're just taking out autonomous you know the self driving cars right now. Or so, but we're they're, still they're, keeping they're, they're keeping the self driving yeah. cars, taking out the self driving trucks. The, I mean the I mean the they're taking out the self driving trucks, right? And right. they're but they're continuing with Uber Freight itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they sort of said it's the same concept. And they say it's doing quite well, right? Yeah, know. yeah. They're growing their volumes of loads quickly. We you know, suspect that they're also accelerating the amount of money from going, moving from Uber to Uber Freight at, you know, at a roughly similar pace. Um, so you know, we, don't, we don't know about margins and profitability and net revenues or anything like that. Right. But what's interesting, you know, they said two things, really. They said, mm -hmm. number one, we wanted to do for freight what Uber already does for personal conveyance. Yes. So mm -hmm. you, know, you, tap, you tap a phone. You push a button. You push a button, and you get a load covered, or you find a ride. And they said that we we offer we do offer that service. It's it's executing its mission. And and, and secondly, they said um, to be competitive as a digital freight brokerage right now, we don't need autonomous trucks. Like that's a distraction. It's a incredibly complicated technology um, that we were you know. It was dragging from the actual profitability of the digital freight brokerage business. There's they're sort of bullish on their software capabilities and what that can bring to the table, you know, without having okay. to go down the whole road of an autonomous truck. So yeah. you know, they said that um, you know it, it made sense. You know, it didn't really, uh, adjo you know, they couldn't really talk about the IPO next year or anything like that. Um, but you know, it was 
it was a good conversation and it was good to kind of establish a working relationship with them, um, which I think ultimately will help us learn more about the company faster as, you know, they continue to uh, develop. Okay. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So check out uh, Mariah Baker's article on what Uber had to say. I thought it was a, a good, you know, pretty succinct um uh, clarification. And I totally agree with you that it's great to begin having a conversation with them um, and all they're doing. And I think that their prospects are still quite, quite high. I think yeah, if there's yeah, an, yeah. An, an adjustment period that's, that's, that's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes less is more. You know, so, we know that so they can deliver by subtraction. You know, say what you will about Uber's, you know, whatever their ethics, former executives, their sort of you know, kind of battered image in, in, yeah. in, in, the, yeah. in, in the public sphere. Um, they deliver an amazing product. Pretty much everyone who's ever used them knows that. Right. So, they dominate. So people, a people, sector. they're always going to command a certain level of respect and attention. Um, you know, from from the media. So it's, it, it'll, you know, we're, we're excited to work with them closer. I'm excited, and um, that was great coverage, man. Good job with that interview. Uh, what do you, what would you like to tackle next? The weekly market update before we talk about the monthly? Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and go to some of uh, Zach Strickland's material? What, you know, one of the things that I love about this time of year, JP is, uh, is the very thing that we, we let off with how it's, it's vacation time sometimes at this yeah, time of year, yeah, you yeah. know, yep. um, it's, you know, the only exciting thing, um, happening in logistics is prime day by Amazon. You know, it's a, it's a slower and they, they specifically, you know, strategize that because it's like the slowest time in between times yeah, right yeah. now. That's, that's what our, our theory was. And, you know, it's true that, um, July is the preferred month for Americans to take vacation um, by you know decent margin. Right, um, as I think Strickland writes, and is very the Sultan writes. Um, uh, he says, according to Gallup, July is the most popular month to take a summer vacation. Fifty-five percent of those surveyed said they were planning on taking a summer vacation, with fifty-one percent stating July was the month. So. What about it? Historically, what's happening at this time while well, Americans are enjoying perhaps their uh, economic, the fruits of their economic production and labor? Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, that's what happens. Think slow. Think slow. I mean, most of the stuff that people have to buy in stores to prepare them to celebrate the summer are in the stores you know, by late May and June, right? And so during the actual period of vacation and travel and things like that. Um, While there's, there's they're a, there's, consuming. Yeah, there's a big falling off, actually, of demand for freight. Um, and it happens every year. It's really interesting. We, uh, Zach and I went back and looked at this new um, DAT you know, final report, uh, you know, daily final report mm -hmm. index. And okay. we, we looked at the lane between LAX and That's Dallas. Right. That's right. That was in your reporting about the software. Yeah, and of the we found that in general. It, you yeah. Know, so it, spot prices declined through the month of July in every, every you know, the past five years. Uh huh. Okay. And we were looking at what we wanted to know is when do we does it start coming back? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. like like when do brokers and shippers and carriers know that the market's turning around? And 
I think um, the past five years, the dates were the date for the bottom mm-hmm. of this falling off before the rise. Okay, it's like August sixth, August seventh, ah. August 9th, August eleventh, and August twenty third. Over the past five years. Over the past five years. So it looks. So m- most of it's most long of it's softening. Lots all the way up until late August. Yeah, but um, but four usually, out, four out of the past five years uh-huh. within the first half of August. Wow, well, that's very interesting. Yeah. Very, very so it's been soft about a what would you say like a week or no week no, and a half? no it's How been it's it? been declining for oh, all of July all of July and it, it, it does that every year and it reaches a bottom in the fir- but I mean the yeah it seems like I feel like it and then, I thought it f- and then accelerates yeah um, it's like super yeah and you know. I have to say, I, I was I was on an earnings call last night. Hub Group, big intermodal transportation provider, they're predi- yeah. they're still predict. You know, they handle a lot of business. You know, from Asia to the West Coast through the U.S. Okay, and they all talking to all of their big box retailer customers are predicting a very strong fall peak season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the, they're basically that saying that no they, real surprise. Well, they had the what was interesting is they're saying that the tariffs have really had no effect yet on volumes. Now, originally we were thinking that that's the, because they were like trying to get them in under the deadline, but they're still can. Are, is my understanding that they're just still just so the tariffs will have an effect. Yeah, they're not having an effect on volumes. It may mean. It, so that means the it'll be one of two things. It'll be the shippers, the manufacturers are eating, you know, the extra cost increase, or they're passing it down to the consumer. So th- right. th- those will be the two effects. Yeah. But, but right now it that's, hasn't. The, the, the important that's in fact that's part of your your roundup analysis. The important part is it hasn't hurt the ability of American companies to source imports. Yeah. Right. Not so far. Yeah. We haven't. Yep. Had the uh, the downward cycle of that happening. Um, it's soft. Um, it. But I think uh, I think uh, the Sultan has been predicting two to three weeks of this, and it's going to start tightening right back up. So we'll see yeah. what it what it what it provides. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, and and that'll be the really risky time for brokers to be uh, you know uh, quoting spot loads because. You, you know, it's hard to time that uptick exactly right, and you don't want to get caught uh, in a position where we where the, you know you you've you have to cover these loads and the spot market's outrunning you. What do you think? What do you make of what the Sultan was also talking about, though, in the softening? He was saying, um, uh, however, Chicago is sort of an anomaly right now. Yeah. Did, what, what was the uh, takeaway there? Of why why do we think that, that it's happening there? In this isolated part of the country, that is a bit of an anomaly nationwide. I don't really know. I mean, I think okay. that um, one possible thesis is that even though all the ports have been showing like record volumes, you know, kind of in you know May and June, and you know that kind Maybe of thing. Maybe it's the, like, like the, finished, like the, tr- the yeah. tr- well, the trucks have been servicing those so through so, LA so to Dallas to distributing throughout but, the country. But, but the idea is that like. We know that LA has had really large volumes come in, yet downturns in LA have declined. It must mean yep. that I remember you wrote about it that. must mean that they're getting sufficient capacity. So it, the, the port cities are sucking up all the trucks out of the middle of the country, 
And that's why you're seeing turndowns in Chicago. Tightening up. In the middle of the country in Chicago. Heating up. Huh, yeah, that's a good theory. I like it. I buy it. I don't, the Sultan himself did not posit an exact scenario, just kind of looked at year over year seasonality patterns and a nice weekly update. Everybody should check that one out. We also have a monthly economic update. Uh, from Ibrahim. Yeah, our, ch- our chief economist, Ibrahim Bayan, you know, came through with Did a, a roundup of all of the, the government data um, coming out this month. We just had one of the strongest quarters since the Great Recession. Yeah, in terms of GDP growth. Yeah. Yeah, 4.1%. Um, you know, That's awesome, right, in a way. But what could too yeah, high great. growth of GDP mean? Um, uh, the Sultan was just telling us about this. Yeah, I think like inflation, right? Yeah, it's like if it heats up too much, you're not really gaining. You're you're going in you're so high more, that inflation you're begins spending to happen more against without the wages. getting more. Uh, and so th- that was interesting. Like I think that so is the way for, that it, and bottom line. For happens. example, the kind of thing he's talking about is that in the the Stiefel, um mm-hmm. trade war risk roundup, they, they said yep. it's unlikely that. A trade war with China will end up reshoring manufacturing to the U.S. simply because the U.S. already has a blue-collar labor shortage. We don't have the people to ramp up a bunch of. I hadn't to, heard it really quite to, put that way. To rapidly grow manufacturing capacity, just like we don't have the people to rapidly grow trucking capacity, and so when your the economy is growing quickly, but there's no yeah. real again, capacity being added, it just means that things are like costing more and people are spending more money. Yeah, Prices exactly. are rising. That's how it, that, well, that's a very right. detailed and, and we, look at the very thing you just asked and we see me. It, we see it with, you know, like, uh, you know, J.B. Hunt, for example, saying that yeah. their, their intermodal volumes went up 4%. Intermodal mm-hmm. volumes went up 4%. Okay. Revenue went up, you know, 14%. How did that happen? Oh, because they're charging more of everything. So that, that, that's, that's kind of what growth <laughs> right. looks like when you're already kind of maxed out. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's and so, such, that is interesting and that's insightful. I, I think that's uh, um, how it works. However, I do think that there were some... So the overall economic roundup of uh, Ibrahim's is that he is he's looking at and things just seem solid throughout most sectors of our economy right now. Yeah, yeah. And, Industrial production and, uh, actually did rise. Um, yeah, three point eight percent. So, so even so, he's not worried. He thinks that the slight softening that we're going to feel in the third quarter is not even going to really be a, a correction. Right. Uh, just because it's going to be a natural, still sustained strength, just maybe not as overheated in the particular measurement. Of the way it was in the second quarter. Yeah, there we got a couple of like artificial boosts from international trade when people try to beat tariff deadlines yep. or whatever. As um, we just mentioned, and I think um, the you know also if you're if you're paying attention to year over year numbers, the comps get tougher in the back half of 2018 because that's really when you know the second half of 2017 is when the the we entered into the bull market that we're in right now. So. Like right. th- those were already yeah. elevated numbers. It's going to so, be hard to beat the year over year of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even if if it's positive at all, and the intermodal people I've talked to said that you know they're looking to do you know po- positive growth margins even year over year in the third and fourth quarters. You know we're looking at a very very busy 
active, constrained, and potentially volatile freight market going into the second half of 2018. It may be. It may be volatile because they get so overmaxed that they simply cannot move the volume. Right. And then you get and into... And that may uh, very well happen with rail, as I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've been talking to... We've had some visitors in the office, um, people involved, really deeply embedded in intermodal, who have basically said... They've suggested that the west to east... Okay. Inter, intermodal capacity uh-huh. of uh, Union Pacific and uh, you know, BNSF is basically maxed out. That there's no more spillover from trucking to rail, like there like there could be. The rails are are they they've already committed to moving as many loads as they possibly can, and now they're just like basically tacking on surcharges just because they can't. So like you know I think you know at one point. Um, Union Pacific was like, okay, well, like we're just going to add an extra like two hundred dollars to a, a bunch of boxes. Um, um, wow! So 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 like the implications for trucking are is that when this when this peak season hits and people are saying that it's following the two thousand seventeen trend of arriving early and having a pretty long tail. Yeah. Um. When that hits, like. The, the you know the implications for trucking are that it's price you know prices could be all over the place. Well, we will wait and see. Operators standing by. Uh, another thing to to cover that's interesting. Not necessarily it happened this week. Actually, it happened on uh, July nineteenth. So we're we're close to being on it. But um, the Western States Trucking Association, which we will now call the WSTA, uh, filed a a pretty big petition, a complicated thing, with um, the USDOT asking it, this federal agency, to intervene in the dispute over California's break requirements. And and, and the the complicating part about the the, the lawsuit, um, the thing that's interesting about it as well, is that it, it both challenges the California Supreme Court ruling regarding the owner-operator service known as Dynamex. Interesting. Uh, as well as touching on the Denim Amendment. Right. And, you know, this is legal stuff. But but I will say that the reason that we should at least just mention it... Yeah, yeah. Um, ...is that... You know, overall, we talk about kind of the year, year, and the, and, you know, some petitions were filed in December, but for the most part, this is like, and I know these things have been persisting in the industry for a while, but the story of 2018 uh, uh, with is that the trucking industry has operated for, you know, all, basically 2018 under the shadow of like two fundamental issues regarding federal standards um, versus state standards. Um, and you know, basically on the, the federal, it's the carriers protecting themselves from frivolous tort or lawsuits that are just, you know, like, like, like attorneys glomming on to, um, you know, an issue on behalf of plaintiffs, them protecting their rights on the one and, and independent truckers protecting their pay and rights on the other. Both these issues have emerged, you know, this year and both as we've t- talked about from the heavyweight state of California. Interesting. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, and I guess basically, um, you know, uh, the Denim Amendment, this is the interesting thing. Recently in late April, it passed by a vote. It passed in the House by a vote of 222 to 193 
12 Republicans joined all the Democrats after Nancy Pelosi whipped them into interest, whip, wow. whipped them up with a big letter. Um, and, uh, and so, and, and, and so now we're waiting to see what will happen in the Senate regarding the Denim Act. Uh, the carriers want the Denim Act to happen, uh, essentially because it's going to normalize, standardize, streamline, you know, federal reg regulation, it, you know, as David Heller has put it, um, you know, one of the spokespeople for, uh, the ATA, the, yeah. the ATA he, he is, uh, he said, uh, you you can, you cannot have a different rule. Like, what if you go? What if a driver goes through three states? There's right. a different rule in every state. Yeah, you you can't be you know uh, um, liable for the rest periods of every single state that a try. It doesn't make sense. Right, and and there's sense to this. There's logic and reasoning to this point of view. I agree. I mean, and if you look at the history of like nation states and regulations, if you look at like. You know, the U.S. moving from their Articles of Confederation to, to the U.S. Ooh. Constitution and, like, centralizing regulatory ability. If you look at, like, yeah. the, the first half of the 19th century in the German Confederation, they had, like, 35 little statelets, okay. 35 different customs, 35 Let, different yeah. gauges of railroad. Like, really, <laughs> yeah, we it, couldn't have had a federal highway if everybody yeah, had it a really hinders right? it really hinders yeah. economic growth. And so yeah, people realize right. that actually larger more uniform regulatory environments in like yeah, yeah. help economies okay. grow faster. Point made and all, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Um, really. I think w w what the, uh, the other side is feeling, thinking the owner operators, OIDA, the Teamsters, um, a lot of independent truckers, what do they, they fear the very uh, broad language uh, within that's tacked on to whatever bill that it gets, you know, appropriated I see, I see, to. I see, yeah. And they're afraid that it's going to like basically be a lot of unpaid lunch breaks and stuff. And I think that this is my, my point of view for them on this at this time is of all times in the industry where there is a capacity crunch, where you're feeling super regulated um, and where there's not enough of you to go around and you're demanding more pay. And, and then for regulation to be passed that might suppress your ability to get paid and have more options, I can understand the, the, the fear. I can understand that it seems like not in like a, not an irrational fear, hmm. you know, I don't yeah. know. But so far as I understand, and okay, so think, that's think, just one we, part we, of the story. I think we should probably balance that against the idea that like making trucking harder in California actually has a drag on the national economy hmm. and it increases wow. even just that one state if they we just well, well because you know, because yeah. because like you know the majority of all the goods imported into the u.s come into california how many million people live in california is it 33 i'm just taking a while yeah no it's, it's right like, it's around is that. It something like that yeah it's around that. um uh so so we so that's one issue that we're dealing with the uh, you know waiting the um the final chapter in um and then also just you know the uh the dynamex decision is another thing that's just overlooking everything and we're still waiting on some kind of a ruling to figure out what the clarification from the courts are going to be about this abc test which was only clarified for five paragraphs of an 86 page ruling Ooh. 
it, you know, yeah. Greg Fury yeah. of Sco- Scope yeah. Letus has has de- break this down for us. He's defined the ABC test as just three bites of one apple. In other words, it's just one idea of which we're parsing. Like a, a, the definition, this could have impacts on all kinds of like you know litigation going on now. As well as like, what does it mean about the past? What does it mean going what, forward? T- tell us what the the issues at stake are here. Well, do we I, do we want to deep dive and do it all right now? They the, the, they had um you know di- pre- the court the California Supreme Court basically decided upon hearing the Dynamex ruling about the independent contractors they they decided to dispense with a thirty year precedent that they had been abiding under called the Borello test, which a lot of and they, they, I think, you know, overall, the analysis, why did the court do that? Um, the court seems to have done it probably just because of not liking the independent contractor model status and the way right. that it's being yeah. used. Right. So they took another, I think New Jersey uses the ABC test, and there's another state as well um, out uh, in the Northeast um, that, that, that use it. And so they took it. But it's only five paragraphs. It's not super, and so everybody's waiting to hear. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I see, I see, I see, I see. Uh, okay, right. that's the big thing that everybody's waiting to hear clarification about with the Dynamex ruling. It could have fallout for the gig economy, all so kinds what, of whether, startups. So whether whether anybody using are, a contractor model. Yeah, it's yeah. a big deal. So this little, you know, I, well, let's hope it's big. This WTSA led, you know, uh, filing is trying to, you know, there. There's other things going on, you know, other fights. There's legislation. They're asking the governor to to um, intervene against the Supreme Court ruling on behalf of all these businesses in California. So, whoa, that was a legal thing. Are there any other takeaways we have from yeah. uh, your deep dive into the, the pudding pool of, uh, of the trade war risk? Yeah, yeah, that, that was really cool. Um, basically, all of Stiefel's multimodal... Transportation equities analysts um, weighed in on this report together. They came together like Voltron. (laughs) It was it was the trucking guy. It was the maritime shipping guy. It was the logistics guy. It was the railroad guy. It was the the air guy. And they all finally did one huge report together. Very very cool. (laughs) Uh, David Ross led the charge uh, for trucking. Um, Only two takeaways I want to. Uh, share you know really quickly um the first is that in order of mode like which which modes are most exposed to trade war risk Mm, yes i like that part of it first maritime then railroad then trucking then air and why air? It's interesting. I mean, people wouldn't, you know, normally know. Why. Well, this is so. This why are is they in, the least exposed? Oh, because they have um, this sort of uh, small, high value. Yeah. Uh, not really commodities, but more like fin- f- finished goods that haven't really been targeted by the tariffs yet. The um, the the portion of maritime, the most exposed, the most exposed industry. The portion of maritime that's also most exposed is the dry bulk market. So yes. people moving things that have to do with like steel production, like, like iron ore and coal, people moving grains, yeah. people moving soybeans, stuff like that. That seems to have been clear from the very beginning of these yeah. tariffs. Yeah. And so trucking, you know, it's not that bad. Within the trucking space, they said that, um, you know, people like J.B. Hunt and... Yeah. And... Uh, Hub Group are actually mm-hmm. more exposed to risk because because of their pl- 
play, their intermodal intermodal play. Yeah, yeah. So, JB Hunt's gotten really good at it, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they, they have the biggest fleet of intermodal boxes by far. Ah, in the US. Yeah. okay. Um, I, I just constantly learn things. So, so that's 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 one of the takeaways. And the second one was that really for truckload moves, for truckload carriers, yeah. the risk is pretty indirect. The idea is that, you know, eventually higher prices cause inflation, which suppress consumer demand, demand in the economy. So it's like it will take, you know, we're talking in the mid to long term for tariffs to really impact yeah. the, yeah, your, it, your typical domestic truckload carrier. And like, I think one of the things that, that, you know, we've is how real are these things? Everybody's kind of going, yeah, are these permanent? Exactly. Like, so is that, this just a toy? Is this a yo-yo? What's happening here? Right. Is it going to be another tweet and everything goes away? Like what, what's, what's. And so companies have been really reluctant to undertake these expensive re-engineerings of their supply chains. You know, yes. like for, for example, like like if you had to move a factory from China to Vietnam, yeah, to avoid are you going to do like, that? Like, are you there do have that? been some moves like that made, right? But I mean, people are kind of like, I mean, there's two barriers. There's one: Southeast Asia doesn't have the skilled workforce that that even China has, and two, um, they don't know how permanent these tariffs are going to be. They don't know if they're just opening negotiating tactics. Yeah. They don't know if, exactly like, what's going to happen with the political situation. If there'll be a reaction yeah. against this, either from Trump's own party or from the Democrats, you know. So like, it, it, people, you know, people are kind of holding fat. Like, like it's not really reshaping global trade so much as you know. Again, some people are eating the costs, and some people are passing well, around the fa- to you know, and 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 the 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 you know very well publicized Harley Davidson moving. Uh, out of the U.S. Yeah, and then also it seemed like there was a temporary. Speaking of high value things, like there was a temporary thing of like, wait a minute, like European imports of cars are going to be tariffed. Right, and everybody's don't they already, freaking don't out. Don't already cost and, enough? <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and and then. And, and then, though, like, hasn't there recently been some back and forth with the EU and maybe everything will be okay and that won't really happen? Yeah. So that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. my, you know, like, I think why everybody reasonably the isn't thing, so sure about these tariffs. Right. But the thing with China is probably uh, the Trump administration seems more committed to the trade war <laughs> yeah. with China than just the I do agree with that. More committed, um, yes. And we'll see, we'll see what happens with, uh, you know, NAFTA, but that's a whole nother really topic yes and what a rundown man i feel like i've been through a lot that's a lot of um a lot to cover interesting news please follow up if you'd like with um any of the articles these these are all headlines on freight waves um jp ready or not here we come Blockchain for babies, Nestle to test blockchain tech on Gerber products. Big deal or little deal? I think it's kind of a big deal. I think people are, are you know, baby food is one of the things that people most care about the sourcing of and the provenance. Reckless driving boosts likelihood of future crash and other findings from Atree's crash predictor model. Big deal or little deal? I would say it's a medium deal. Um, some of these things are obvious, but I think it's, it's the specific numbers that um, matter. The, 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 the way they're able to quantify the risk. The future of electric vehicles lines, sourcing of lithium and cobalt for batteries, big deal or little deal? It's a huge deal. It's ultimately going to impact you know, just the viability of electric vehicles. 
Uh, data standardization is the need of the hour in the maritime industry, big deal or little deal? It's a huge deal. Um, we've been preaching the same message, um, the same sermon in the trucking industry. Pilot Flying J expands reach into oil and gas service. Big deal or little deal? Little deal in the big picture, but big deal for tanker trucks in the little picture. Amendment for another year of livestock ELD exemptions makes it onto the Senate spending bill. Big deal or little deal? Big deal for ag haulers who just might be able to delay the ELDs another year. UPS and Thor collaborate to test electric delivery trucks. Big deal or little deal? Big deal for Thor, but maybe not as big of a deal for UPS, who's done partnered with a whole lot of other companies. Another Lawson lawsuit? John R. Lawson, Rock and Oil, speaks out against CARB regulations. Big deal or little deal? Little deal with no actual filing, but big deal if CARB gets, gets sued by uh, Lawson, Rock and Oil again. And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves Conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit marketwaves18.com to learn more about this event. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck. Truck.